to episode 141 of Board Game Blitz, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network and a podcast about all things board games that you can listen to in less time than it takes to get over a massive loss to an AI opponent. Board Game Blitz is sponsored by Gray Fox Games. This week, we're talking about solo games. First, we discuss a couple games we've played recently, like For Science and Cascadia. Then we discuss our thoughts on board games you can play even when no one else is around. And now, here are your hosts... Ambie and Crystal. Recently, I got a review copy of For Science, which is a 2021 game designed by R. Eric Roos and published by Gray Fox Games, which is our podcast sponsor. So, <laughs> we love um, Gray Fox. Yeah. So they sent me a review copy of For Science, which is, it was a Kickstarter and I think it's currently on pre-order. So it's not out yet. I think it's like shipping to backers. Some of them have been shipped and stuff like that. But anyway, For Science is a real-time cooperative dexterity game. So uh, you might know that I like real-time cooperative games, which is why I wanted to get this review copy. (laughs) Um, Yes, these are genres that you you do tend to enjoy quite a bit. Yeah. So yeah, I have a whole real-time cooperative game shelf. So in For Science, you are scientists trying to discover cures to different diseases and then um, research enough to discover, make a universal vaccine that like cures all the diseases. But like the way you do this is, well, there's lots of different parts actually. The big part is like there's these building blocks, like actual blocks of wood, like literally building blocks (laughs) that you're building, (laughs) building these designs to be like cures of diseases and stuff. So there's different things. You you have design cards and you play them down and they have the different colors of blocks, which are different shapes. And they say like, oh, they have lines that connect to the next cards and stuff. So you have like a blue block with a line to a green block. That means they have to be touching. And like only the ones on the bottom can be touching the table. So it doesn't matter what orientation you put them in. You, they just have to be touching the ones that they're touching on the card that the lines are connected to. And they okay. can't touch the ones that they're not connected to. So after you make this design, uh, you have to build it and it goes like up from the table and then you can't like hold on to it while it's being verified because other people verify everything. So like you do something and then someone else has to verify just like in science. <laughs> yeah, then, you got to get your work checked. <laughs> yeah. So like that's how you do stuff. You, you design cures for vaccines and stuff and then you get when you've successfully completed that you get microscopes or books which is like a currency that you spend immediately to get these tiles these little cardboard tiles which are triangle base shapes so there's like the triangle and then like a trapezoid and bigger things that are like basic triangle diamond things but those you have to put together as puzzle pieces they have different colors on each edge and you have to like match up color to color every time you put it together and you want to make enclosed shapes that have icons in them. And those icons are how you win the game. So you need like X number of icons in that enclosed puzzle piece shape. So there's a lot of stuff going on. So and this is all real time. So you're like building the designs with these cards. The diseases come out. You're, you're building designs for the diseases. You're building it up with the blocks. And then you're getting these puzzle pieces to put together and make the universal vaccine. And then each person also has a special power and those like improve as you get more points because you put up the points, make you go up these tracks that like improve your special powers. (laughs) So basically as you do science, you get better at science. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And um, 
the whole game takes 15 minutes so there's a 15 minute timer yeah so it's very hectic <laughs> what well, a real time real game time. hectic i don't believe yeah. it i'm real shocked shocked i tell you oh <laughs> uh, yeah so i've played it twice at six players twice at four players and twice solo i actually played it on stream solo uh this last week and i'll link to that in the show notes with solo it was actually easier because i didn't have to verify things you just verify your own Stuff. You can just do bad science all day and nobody's yeah. going to check you on it. No, well, I mean, it has to be correct still, but... Um. You don't have to wait for verification. Yeah, you don't have to wait for yeah. verification. And then also, like, in multiplayer, sometimes people, like, start building the same thing oh. because they didn't realize, like, someone else was working on it. So there, there's none of that in solo. So, like, in solo, I actually won both times pretty easily. But in multiplayer, it was harder. Yeah, so we ended up splitting up jobs kind of in multiplayer because another thing when there's more players there's only a set number of blocks so if a a lot of people are trying to build designs at once like you run out of blocks one time a a couple of people had a lot of yellows in their design so then we just ran out of yellow blocks and no one can build anything so in multiplayer like there's some sometimes there were times where i couldn't do anything because i'm just waiting for other people so uh, i didn't like that part that much like the splitting up of jobs and not being able to do something for part of the game like in a real-time game i don't really want it to that to happen <laughs> yeah you don't want downtime yeah like that's not what you're playing a real-time game for <laughs> yeah but with solo i was just doing everything all at once or not all at once but like i was doing everything so there was no downtime for it but i also won pretty easily so i think i'd have to ramp up the difficulty but there's a lot of things to ramp up the difficulty there's like event cards that you can add you can change the labs that you have there, there's a lot of stuff and then there's different characters that you can play as and some are more difficult than others so yeah i think i would like this better at lower player counts even at four players it was still because of the breaking up of of the abilities too like some people just focused on building and other people were doing other things so we didn't really it was like distinct games kind of so yeah i I think i would like it at like maybe three and less (laughs) because because even at four player it was it was still kind of like some people were building and some people weren't building at all. So, but the building was pretty fun and I like the puzzle part. I like, I like puzzles. <laughs> um, and yeah, the building can be kind of hard though. Like, cause the building blocks are weird shapes. And so sometimes like, you, you make a design and then you can't actually build it to make the things touch without them falling over. So you can like rearrange it and that, that can get hectic. But that, that was pretty fun. And it's like big, chunky blocks. The box is huge. So yeah, I, I'm not sure like how much more I'm going to play it because Toby didn't really like it. So we might not keep this game. Well, I'll, we'll talk more about like how often I play solo games <laughs> later in this episode. But yeah, it takes up a lot of shelf space. So for a game, you, you want to like really love it probably. But yeah, so I think it's worth trying out and probably better at fewer players. So that's for science. I know that I don't like real-time cooperative decks, well, real-time cooperative games (laughs) as much as you, but I do enjoy them sometimes. Mm -hmm. But I think for me personally, I do also tend to enjoy those games more with fewer players because Mm -hmm. I'm a high-strung person, like just my baseline. (laughs) So like real-time games can be incredibly stressful for me. Fun, often, like that stress can be enjoyable in small doses. But like, I think for me, I have found over the years that when I play a game that, yeah, like is like six players in that kind of a setting, like Space Team, I think would be a good example. Like there's too Mm -hmm. many people for my brain to like 
even attempt to focus because I'm yelling at one person while somebody else is yelling <laughs> at me. And, you know, like, it's just like too much. So yeah. I'm okay with the stress. But like when it's go- coming from five different directions around me, I'm just like, no, 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 no. Uh-uh. <laughs> so I, I think yeah. I, yeah, for this one, I probably would enjoy it at the smaller player counts too. That would be my guess. <laughs> yeah. Going from something hectic and stressful to something calm and beautiful. The game I'm talking about today is one that you may have heard a lot of people talking about in recent past, uh, and that is Cascadia. Cascadia was designed by Randy Flynn, published by Flat Out Games and also um, AEG. And the art is by Beth Sobel, which I don't always call out the artists of games, but you all know I love Beth's art. And she has a Kickstarter going on right now, which I'm definitely going to plug. She's got a beautiful set of playing cards with the fully illustrated by her. It's on Kickstarter. And so if you haven't checked that out, the River and Stone playing card deck, you should definitely go check that out. But back to Cascadia. So Cascadia is a tile lane and token drafting game that features habitats and wildlife in the Pacific Northwest. So all of the tiles are hexagonal and on your turn, you draft a pair of items. One is a tile that you'll add into your tableau and one is a token that contains an animal that you will add to one of the tiles in your tableau. And it can be the tile that you just drafted and placed or any of the other tiles in your tableau. Uh, All of the tiles show either one or two land types, maybe three, and then a number of animal symbols on top of that. And they all represent different habitats and the animals that live in those habitats. So for like the water or the marshlands, you might find some salmon for, you know, the woods or the plains. I might be getting the names wrong, but you'll find, you know, like elk or bears, things like that. And what you're trying to do is group the land types together to form large areas of single land types and also lay out the animal tokens onto these tiles in specific patterns based on what cards were drawn at the beginning of the game. Every single animal type that exists on the tokens has a little set of, I think, five scoring cards and you choose one for each animal type at the beginning of the game and that animal will score based on the card that was chosen. So for instance, it might be pairs of a specific animal or a solo like for the hawk there's one that if you have just one hawk with not next to any other hawks it'll score kind of thing or bears maybe want to be in families or foxes want to be next to other types of animals things like that so you pick one scoring card for each animal type and then lay out your tokens hopefully to complete those patterns you draft tiles and tokens back and forth until you run out and then you score so it's one of those games that's mechanically very very simple a la things like King Domino, which I've waxed on endlessly about how much I like games kind of that fall into this niche where they're easy to teach, quick to pick up, but have some interesting strategic decision making and depth to them. And I would say this squarely fits into that category. I really, really enjoyed this one. There's a couple other mechanics involved. There are specific tiles that have a special icon on them. And when you put the right animal onto those, you get a little, another type of token that can give you a special ability to help you wipe the tiles and tokens that are available theoretically, or swap and grab a token and a tile that aren't paired with one another. So it gives you more flexibility in uh, what you choose. So it's not just always you're up, you know, you're not just set in what you have available to you. There's some flexibility there. 
I love it. It's great. I, I, I've heard a lot of people talking about this. And I, I was doing that thing that you often do when you see a lot of buzz about a particular game. You're like, oh, lots of people are talking about this game. So one of two things is happening. Either it's just gotten hyped because it's hyped or it's a really solid game. And usually one of those two things ends up being true. And in this case, the latter is most definitely true. I think this is a solid game. It is family weight but like you could teach this to non-gamers and enjoy it with your hobby game group just as easily. I think this is one that a lot of gamers are going to enjoy having in their collection. It's not super long to play. And it's, again, the artwork, because it's Beth Sobel, is just gorgeous. So it's go- great to look at on the table. I, I'm loving this one a whole bunch. So that is Cascadia from Flatout and AEG. As Ambi mentioned earlier, today's topic is in fact about solo games, which we've never, we've definitely mentioned little things here and there over the years, but I don't think we've ever done an episode dedicated exclusively to solo games, at least not that I can remember, but who knows, because my memory is not that good nowadays. I tried to look it up earlier today and I don't think we have, so okay, it makes well, sense because I... Before, like, last year, I didn't really play solo games at all. I, I would agree. I <laughs> While I had played some games solo, it was not a lot. Mm, I've definitely yeah. played more games solo since the pandemic hit. And I imagine that might be the case for a lot of other people as well. Yeah, me too. And actually, for me, it's been because of streaming. Like, I, I still only play solo board games while I'm streaming. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've played solo board games really outside of that. For me, I would say the majority of my solo gaming has either been on stream or in app form. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Because there are a number of board game apps that have like prominent solo modes, not just like you against, I mean, you against a digital AI is a solo play kind of, but I think Mm -hmm. I'm not counting that in my head quite as much. Like I'm thinking of games that really are just solo, even in app form. But we can get into that in a little bit more detail later. Yeah, I guess I also don't play that many digital games, but that is when, like, when I would play solo too. <laughs> yeah, no, my, yeah. my board game, I have a lot of board game apps, but I almost never play with real humans on those mm-hmm. apps. Yeah. Just because, like, turn-based gameplay where, like, it takes, yeah. like, a day to do a single move, I'm just less interested in that. <laughs> I If somebody is available right now and wants to sit down and play a whole game of Potion Explosion or whatever, I'm down. But, like, mm-hmm. the figuring that out usually is a hassle, so I just yeah. play against oh, the yeah. AI. <laughs> yeah, yep. So what have you liked about solo board games? It's interesting because I when we when I was prepping for the episode, I was trying to think like, is there a specific type of solo game that I'm drawn to? And mm-hmm. I don't think there is because I've played solo games that kind of run the gamut in what they ask you to do. Mm-hmm. Like some of my most played solo games are the Gons Shown Clever uh, Roll and Write series. Mm-hmm. So you've got Gons Shown Clever which is that's so clever in English, Doppelt's so clever, twice as clever, and then the third one, which I don't remember the name of off the top of my head. It's like but Clever Cubed or something in yes, English? Yes, yes, I think that's right. And I have the physical versions of the first two and the app versions of all three. And I have played all three of those apps endlessly, like so much, because they're quick and they feel like a puzzle. So that's where I was kind of going with this, is I like solo experiences 
that feel puzzly, even mm-hmm. if they aren't necessarily a puzzle per se. Like, Gone mm-hmm. Shown Clever doesn't look like a puzzle, but really it kind of is. Like, you take, it's just, you don't know what the pieces are, right? You can take whatever dice you're given and you try and fit them into the right places to get the best score. Yeah, me, me too with the puzzle. Um, I not, I'm not a big fan of roll and writes, but in the last year I've been doing a bunch, bunch of those free print and plays and a lot of those are roll and writes because... Uh, I didn't want to print out a lot of stuff and roll and rights are super easy to print and play. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I was playing a lot of them solo. So like as a solo game, a lot of those roll and rights are very puzzly. And that's why I like them as a solo game rather than multiplayer because with the multiplayer roll and rights, a lot of times it's just like a solo puzzle kind of. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, like I, I actually was enjoying them more solo. I've also found for myself that I, um, like, I know that humans like to be rewarded. Like, our brains are wired to enjoy, like, being rewarded for doing things. But, like, I really fall into that because I have found that some of the board game apps that I play the most are the ones that have, like, achievement systems or, (laughs) like, experience points that level you up. Like, mm-hmm. uh, One Deck Dungeon is a great example of a game I adore. And, like, there's so many different characters to choose from. And every time you play with any of the given characters in the app, and this also works in the physical version, but it's a little different, obviously. But in the app, you earn experience points whether you lose or win a specific game, and you get to level up abilities on your heroes. So then in the next game, it's interesting because you're like, ooh, do I pick the hero that I leveled up last time or this other hero that I haven't played with yet who I want to try out their cool stuff? And so there's a lot of interesting like things to achieve and unlock, and that keeps me coming back. I mean, the gameplay of One Deck Dungeon is great. Anyway, it's a dice allocation game and it's super fun. But yeah, the achievements keep me coming back. And so that and uh, I'm trying to think of what other ones like Potion Explosion unlocking just the like game center achievements in that app. Uh, But that one I'm playing (laughs) against digital AIs. So it's a little less solo per se. So I really, I don't know, I I like being rewarded for doing things, even if the reward isn't a real tangible thing. (laughs) Yeah, I guess I, I don't play the apps. Otherwise, I would like that too, I think. But One Deck Dungeon, that's a cooperative game, right? Yes, it is a so. one or two player game. Mm, okay. um, it's And it can only, yeah, it only goes up to two people. And when you're playing with two, you each control one hero. But when you play solo, you can, you can control two heroes on your own. So I prefer mm-hmm. to play it solo with me controlling two heroes. Like that's mm-hmm. my favorite way to play it. The new version that is on Kickstarter right now for One Deck Galaxy can has a mode that can go up to four players. So that's mm-hmm. a, a differentiating factor between the two games, but they're both real good. Yeah, but I was thinking, um, I was actually talking about this on stream last week because I realized that I was enjoying real-time cooperative games as a solo. Um, but I was thinking, like, I would like cooperative games, I think, as solo plays. Even though I haven't played that many, I haven't tried many of the cooperative games I have as solo yet, but I'm thinking of doing more in the future on stream because, like, cooperative games, having a solo mode, they're, like, it's still cooperative. It's it's going to feel, still the like, same the same. It's still the same game, yeah. really. Yeah, yeah, like, you can you can fudge. Like, if, a, like, something like Pandemic, for instance, like, yeah. you can just play that game exactly as it would be at two, three, or four yeah. players or whatever. You can control all the characters and just mm-hmm. play it solo. So, yeah, like, yeah, cooperative games are same, really, yeah. yeah, they work well for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, whereas, like, 
I'm less inclined to try a multiplayer or like a competitive game that has like a solo mode because it'll feel very different because part of like what I love about compet- multiplayer competitive games is like the interaction with other players. Whereas like with an AI, it wouldn't feel the same. Right. No, that's true. I will admit I there are some times where I kind of like playing against easy AIs so I can like, <laughs> I almost guarantee myself a win. You know, it's like mm-hmm. a, like a fun little ego boost and you don't feel bad about beating a real human. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, so that's nice. The other type of solo game that I have discovered I like and want to try more of in the future are um, story-based games mm-hmm. or adventure-type games. So the the most obvious and one like thing that won't surprise anybody to hear is Legacy of Dragonhold, yeah, which could be played multiplayer. I would never. I <laughs> really, like, I think playing Legacy of Dragonhold multiplayer, especially if I didn't have the exact right group of people who like kind of think like me and already like whatever, like I think that would be stressful for me to try and make Mm -hmm. decisions as a group or to have another character in the party making decisions that I don't agree with. Like obviously that Mm -hmm. is the crux of all role-playing games is adventuring (laughs) with a party and rolling with the punches. But for me, something like Legacy of Dragonhold where it's really just more about the story and less about what you're doing as uh, I, I just want to do that by myself. I don't need anybody yeah. else. Um, also, there's so much reading in that one that like reading out loud is very tiring <laughs> and a lot yes. slower. <laughs> That's I actually found that playing Forgotten Waters solo is really fun for that reason mm-hmm. as well. Because, yeah, there's a lot of text and reading and not everybody mm-hmm. wants to sit there and listen to the app do all of the voice narration. But I do. And so I can just sit back and enjoy the voice narration and play the game with multiple characters as, you know, like that. And it just works. And so I've, I've really enjoyed that as well over the past like year and a half. Yeah, that's cool. Also, there's games that are made specifically for one player. And I've played a couple of those, and those tend to be good at solo because they're made for solo. Yeah, it's, it's not a shoehorned thing in another game. It's just like, yeah. no, this was designed to be played by a single human. Yeah, but like one of the free print and play games that I played, uh, Black Sonata, which is also, I think, published. Um, oh, yeah, it is published. I, I got a copy. But <laughs> the but it's it's like one of my favorite free print and play games. It's a solo deduction hidden movement game and it worked really well. And I think I talked about it previously yeah, too. It's mind blowing um, how it yeah. works. So yeah, like that, that's a really good solo game and I really like deduction games. So, so that worked really well, really well. And um, I also got to play coffee roaster, which is a solo bag building game about roasting coffee. You're like bringing bag uh, coffee beans out of a bag and trying to roast them and like get them to a good amount, but then not burn them. <laughs> so it's like kind of a little press your luck and like planning for that. So that, that one's interesting too. I'm trying to think if I own any solo only games. I don't think I do. I own a lot of games that can be played solo, but I don't think I own any that are solo exclusively. I think the first one we had was Friday, which we still have. And like, I actually didn't play that. <laughs> we would play that like together <laughs> solo toby and i would just we would just both sit there and like be playing solo but we're both kind of the the solo player okay <laughs> because that was back when like we had more time uh, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah other things that obviously ambie and i both like and have done uh, are escape room games although mm-hmm. i think 
this one, you know, like, I think you and I probably would agree that we're both kind of torn on, like, sometimes it's fun to solve a puzzle by yourself. And sometimes it's very frustrating to try and solve a puzzle by yourself because, like, certain puzzles are tuned to certain brains in different ways. And sometimes you just need that that person looking at it from a different angle to be like, no, it's just, it's that thing right there. And you're like, oh, my gosh. And that moment of, you know, like, ah, I, I missed the obvious thing, but it's fun to see your friend figure it out. And yeah, but. I'm, I'm more liberal with the hint system when I play solo. <laughs> I, you know what? I am too. And I've gotten even more forgiving of myself over yeah. time. Like I used to be very much like, I'm not going to use hints unless I yeah, absolutely too, have to. And now I'm like, who's sitting around grading me? Like, I mean, technically some of these apps or the games give you a score at the end, but like, who cares what your score was? Why would I want to sit there frustrated for 10 minutes when I could just move on? Like, use the tools you're given, have fun with the experience. Don't worry about your star rating. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I, that has been lessons I have learned, mm-hmm. especially because I played a lot of escape room games during the pandemic. Yeah, so because Toby likes escape room games a lot too, I don't play them solo as much, but I have played the, the jigsaw puzzle ones because he doesn't like jigsaw puzzles. So th- those have been a lot of fun. That's cool. I wrote down like a few games that I've enjoyed solo. We, I've already mentioned a few of them. The Gone mm-hmm. Shown series, One Deck Dungeon, Legacy of Dragonhold, some others that I really like. Number nine, which is the tile laying game where you are stacking tiles that are in the shape of the numbers zero through nine into a tableau that builds up on top of itself and then scores based on what level each number is placed on. I had not played this one in a while and I actually played it two players recently again. And all it did was just make me want to play it solo again. This is one that I used to bring with me when I would travel. I would put all of the pieces in just like a quart-sized Ziploc bag. And Mm -hmm. you technically, if you know you're only playing it solo and not with other players, it's even smaller because you only need one Mm -hmm. set of the tiles instead of all four. But yeah, this one is fits on an airplane tray very easily and quick. Mm -hmm. And easy to set up too. So easy. Set up, put away. It's all... But it feels... I think a little more satisfying than like uh, playing an app game sometimes. Yeah, like if I want something tactile, number nine is great for that. Yeah, and uh, okay. and for those of you who are not familiar with it, it's spelled N-M-B-R and then the numeral nine. Yeah. But that, that brings me like the reason, one of the main reasons I don't like playing solo games is because of like the setup for board games. Like I just rather play a video game. I Yes. Um, no, a hundred percent accurate. Like, yeah. Well, and what's funny for me, it's not just the setup, it's the teardown. Oh, yeah, yeah, like all Because when you're setting up, you're at least excited about the thing you're about to do, right? So you're like, okay, this is annoying, but I'll get through it. Once you're done playing a solo game, I will, I kid you not, Forgotten Waters stayed on my game table for like a week after I played it solo one time. Because I just was like, I don't want to put it away. <laughs> and like, I just got lazy. And then I was like, okay, this is ridiculous. Put the game away. And it didn't, it doesn't take that long, but it just feels annoying. I guess that's another good thing about a campaign game is you can just leave it set up. Or If you do not have a dog who likes to jump on the table, that is accurate. (laughs) Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, maybe loves the poker table and that is uh, one of the places she likes to hang out. So I have to be very careful. I have lost uh, a handful of board game components over the years, not for leaving them out, but just like the dogs Mm. will chew on cardboard because, you know, Mm. they're dogs. (laughs) All right. Well, I we could we could probably talk about this for a long time, but uh, I would love to hear from our listeners what board games 
that are either exclusively solo or have a really cool solo mode have you enjoyed uh, over the years or during the pandemic specifically? I would love to hear about them because honestly, while I don't gravitate towards solo games, I'm open to new experiences. And if something's really cool, I want to try it out. So hit us up on social media or on our Board Game Geek Guild and let us know what your favorite solo games are. And that's it for this week's Board Game Blitz. Visit our website, boardgameblitz.com, for video and blog content, as well as to get links to all our social media pages. This episode was sponsored by Gray Fox Games. Last Light, a 4X board game with a quick playtime and spinning board, is coming to Kickstarter soon. Until then, you can get other Gray Fox games at a discount via their website. Just use the code BGBLITZ21 at checkout to get 20% off non-exclusive items. Gray Fox Games, quality games cleverly crafted. Join the Blitz Kateer community on Discord by following the link in the show notes. You can support the show by leaving us a rating and review on your podcast provider. And if you want behind-the-scenes access and an invite to our private Slack channel, visit patreon.com slash boardgameblitz. Our theme song was composed by Andrew Morrow. Technical support provided by Toby Mao. Board Game Blitz is part of the Dice Tower Network. Until next time, all by myself, I want a game all by myself. Bye, everyone. Bye. Well, going from something strectic and hes... I just said strectic and hesful instead of hectic and stressful. The stress is getting to you. Oh, man, that's a new one. I that That's new. Strectic and hessel? Like, it's not even like they're easier to say that way. Well, okay, well, I guess I'm in the bloopers today, so... <laughs> All right. As in, oh, as Ambi, I know today. I don't know what the thing is. I can't like my, bleh, my brain. Who knows? It's just a mess. It's not, uh, <laughs> man. The bloopers are gonna be lit. They're gonna be so good this week. I I'm gonna listen yeah. to the heck out of our bloopers. Yeah, I don't think we had any bloopers last time, so we're making up for it. Yeah, we are. <laughs> Ambi. And Crystal. <laughs> I don't know what happened to my throat. <laughs>